Luke chapter 8. We're looking at encounters with Jesus in the book of Luke. And in Luke chapter 8, he encounters a woman, or she encounters him. I'm not quite sure which it is. But it's a fascinating story. And uh, what it does is it reveals to us something about Jesus that's really helpful to us. That's a word of prayer, and then we'll begin to look at our text. Luke chapter 8, and we're looking at verse 43. Father in heaven, we do thank you for this evening. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. Thank you, Lord, for this place that we can come to worship you, to praise your name, and to hear your word preached. And, oh, Lord, I pray now you take and you minister to the needs of your people tonight from your word. Lord, help us, I pray. Bless, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Verse 43. And and having an issue, uh, and a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him, and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood staunched. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling. And falling down before him, she declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. Now, three of the Gospels record this incident, and it happens in the midst of the healing of Jairus' daughter. Uh, Jairus has come seeking the Lord Jesus. Uh, On the way to Jairus' house, this woman encounters him. Jesus pauses to deal with her and then carries on to to deal with with Jairus' daughter. But but this woman has an issue of blood. She has a problem, and she comes, she touches him, and Jesus recognized that she's touched him, uh, she's healed, and he turns to her, she identifies herself, and uh, she's healed. She's been healed completely. Now, lots of intricate stuff in this uh, thing. You know, again, a woman had obviously heard that Jesus could do things, could heal things. I think oftentimes the people that came to Jesus when he walked the earth really didn't have a fully-fledged faith. They just came with a hope-so faith. He did it for others. I wonder, could he do it for me? And they come to him with faith, but it's small faith. And you know what? God doesn't despise small faith. God doesn't despise your faith when it's not great faith. You know, sometimes we think, well, I should have a sterling faith, a solid faith, you know, an unwavering type of faith. No, I, I don't know how this woman could have had a, a, an unwavering kind of faith, but she had faith. And she comes when she hears that Jesus is in town, uh, and she comes to him hoping uh, to have her problem dealt with. Now, her problem is a very thorny issue. She has an issue of blood. The Bible is not very specific about it. It just says she has an issue of blood. It says this is for 12 years. Now, in modern times, that will be pretty serious. In biblical times, not only was it serious for her physically, but the, problem, the, the, the issue carried all kinds of other problems for her. Look in Leviticus chapter 15. Now, we're staying in Luke, so keep your finger there, right? That's what the ribbons in your Bible are for, right? Um, <clears throat> That's why the children shouldn't hang their Bibles out of their ribbons, right? Leviticus, the book of Leviticus, chapter 15. Verse 
Verse 25. And if a woman have an issue of her blood many days out of the time of her separation, or if it run beyond the time of her separation, all the days of the issue of her uncleanness shall be as the days of her separation. She shall be unclean. Every bed whereon she lieth all the days of her issue shall be unto her as the bed of her separation. And whatsoever she sitteth upon shall be unclean, and the uncleanness of her separation. And whosoever toucheth those things shall be unclean, and shall wash his clothes, and bathe himself in water, and shall be unclean until the even. But if she be cleansed of her issue, then she shall number to herself seven days, and after that she shall be clean. All right, so from the time she stopped bleeding, uh, for seven days she was unclean. This poor woman hadn't stopped bleeding in 12 years. She was unclean. Uh, And anybody that she touched was unclean. Anything that she touched was unclean. She was an outcast for 12 years. She just carried this with her all the time. This had social ramifications. It had spiritual ramifications. It had physical ramifications for her. I mean, listen, she was just, this was a serious problem. This was not just a minor issue that was a bother to her. It was a serious problem to her. Um, under the Old Testament law, she, 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 was, she was in dreadful trouble by the, by, because of this. G. G. Campbell Morgan describes her situation. He says this, By the law of Moses, this woman was not allowed to touch any human being, and no human being was allowed to touch her. The law demanded that a woman suffering in this way should be segregated. For 12 years, this woman had been excommunicated from the temple and from the synagogue, from every religious place of assembly. She was divorced from her husband, shut out from her family, ostracized by society, and treated as a pariah. Can you imagine? Can you just imagine what this woman is enduring for all these years? Can you imagine what she's going through? Now, when she comes to Jesus, by the way, she's taking a great risk. Because if she touches him, she can make him unclean. If she touches the other people around him, she can make them unclean too. And nobody's going to take too kindly to that, to this woman uh, doing this. You see, this is is a major problem. It's not a small problem. You know, obviously she's not dying of it. But the problem is huge in her life. This is dominating her whole life. Um, <clears throat> she, had an, in, 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 she had endured an incurable illness, social isolation, uh, constant pain, financial poverty, and personal humiliation. It's hard to imagine a more pitiful situation. If she was a leper, she really couldn't be much worse off than what she had and what she had going on in her life. She had been among the living dead for 12 long years. And now Jesus has come, and she's getting out there to see him. Right? <clears throat> now, notice what it says here, too. <clears throat> Luke chapter 8 again. Um, <clears throat> Which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any. any. And Mark says this, uh, that she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, and had spent all she had... Uh, instead of getting better, she grew worse. Right Now, do you wonder why Luke doesn't record that? You know why? Because Luke's a doctor. <laughs> and Luke wasn't going to record the bad press against his profession. Uh, <clears throat> but, you know, this woman has suffered at the hands of the doctors. By the way, have you ever looked back at the ancient cures and how horrible they were? They were dreadful. The cures were dreadful. In fact, <clears throat> let me read you some of the stuff um, they, they, they would have told her to do. Um, <clears throat> the Talmud records these uh, cures. Drinking a goblet of wine containing, containing a powder composed of rubber, alum, and garden crocuses. That sounds appetizing, doesn't it? Um, <clears throat> eating Persian onions. 
cooked in wine, administered with the words, arise out of your flow of blood. I just wonder how you could drink that kind of a concoction and say arise out of your flow of blood at the same time. That would have been difficult, wouldn't it? Uh, Carrying the ash of an ostrich egg in a certain cloth. Now, with cures like that, you can imagine this poor woman was tormented. She was tormented by all these people that were trying to cure her and trying to help her. You know, so not only was she sick, not only was she ostracized, a per, you know, an outcast because of her sickness, but she naturally had gone to these doctors. She had spent all her living, every, every penny, blessed penny she had, she was impoverished by it. And they're giving her cures that never were going to cure her. They couldn't cure her. It was incurable to them in that day. Um, but then she comes, and she comes to Jesus, you see. Now, she has a problem. She can't put her hand up and say, excuse me, I have an issue of blood. Do you think you could help? Remember, she's not acceptable. She can't do that. Uh, if anyone twigs that she's even there, she's in trouble. Right? So here's what she thinks. She thinks, if I could just touch the edge of his clothing, if I could just get near enough to him to touch the edge of his clothing, maybe that would work. It's an imperfect faith, but it's faith. She's looking and she's thinking, if only I could get that close to him and touch the edge of his clothing, maybe I could be healed. Maybe I could be set free from all this. Um, so, so she comes looking to him. Now, I don't know. I wonder, did she think there was some magic in him? You know the way people do with the, with the evangelists and, you know, in, in the States and they send out a piece of clothing and if you just pe- touch the piece of clothing or Catholic people will want a relic from the, from the cross or a relic from something. By the way, somebody worked out that if, you had all the, if all the relics from the cross were really from the cross, it was a pretty big cross. Uh, but then, somehow if they touch something holy, it's got magic power and it's going, and it's going to help. But we, you don't know with this poor woman. What exactly she thought? But she thought somehow, if she could get close enough to Jesus, she had tried everything else. She had spent her whole life trying. She had tried everything else. And if she could just get close enough to Jesus, he would do something for her. Something would help. She couldn't tell him what she needed done. She couldn't declare herself. But if she could get close enough to him, he would actually do it for her. He would take and he would <clears> heal <throat> her. So she comes behind him and she touches just the border of his garment. Just the border of it. She just kind of reaches out and touches the edge of it. Like that. And immediately, her issue of blood staunched. Immediately it stopped. And she knew. Twelve years, her life's been dominated by this thing. She touched the border of his garment as he passed by. And immediately, it was changed. She was healed. She was fixed. Everything was fixed. When Jesus healed, he did a complete job. Immediately, she was healed. It was changed. All she she had done was just touch the border of his garment. Twelve years of public humiliation were over. And her thought was terrific, fantastic. I'm just going to fade away into the crowd. Nobody knows the difference, and I'll go home and I'll be healed. But that's not what's going to happen. Here we have, and remember, uh, <clears throat> the, the, the streets in Jerusalem are narrow. Uh, it's um, piled, the, the people are piled upon people upon people. There's a crowd around Jesus. There's hundreds of people around him. They're all milling around him. And um, <clears throat> she touches him. She expects to just fade away and walk away. But he says, who touched me? 
And don't you love the disciples? I love the disciples, right? I think I'd make a good disciple, right? <clears throat> you know, the disciples look at the situation, uh, and <clears throat> Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee, and sayest thou, who touched me? Are you mad? How could you know who touched you? How could anybody know? Everybody's touched you. You're, you're going through this crowded street, and, and um, <clears throat> you're asking who's touched you? Well, everybody's touched you. What are you talking about? Right? <clears throat> And, but Jesus knew there was a difference about this touch. This touch was not just the touch of the crowd. Something happened, and he knew something had happened. There was a touch of faith involved in this. And it changed something. And he said this, he says, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue or power is gone out from me. There was, there was faith involved in this touch, and because of this touch, something had been drawn from him, and he knew it. Now, he could have left it too and moved on, but of course he knew exactly who had touched him. You know, he could have walked away and just said, well, she's healed. But he knew she touched him, and he knew her faith was imperfect too. She could have gone away thinking, wow, that was magic. She needed to know. This woman had been healed of a problem, but she had a much bigger problem than the problem she was healed of. She had a sin problem to deal with. Everybody does. And she needed to know who it was that was the healer, who it was that was the one that could actually help her, uh, that could, <clears throat> could do the business for her. And uh, so he's going to identify her. He's going to cause her to identify herself. Right? He's going, now, that sounds harsh, doesn't it? But you know what? It's exactly what needs to happen in the situation. But I want to just <clears throat> have you think <clears throat> about a couple of things here. First of all, think about this. Faith always touches God. Your imperfect faith always touches God. When you cry out to him in faith, trusting him to do something, it always touches him. <clears throat> um, Tozer said, faith is the vitamin by which we receive anything from God, and apart from that, we can't receive anything from God. See, all these people were milling around, and they'd all touched them. The curious, um, you know, the, uh, the indifferent, everybody had touched them. But not like this. There was faith involved in this one. Understand that, that when you have faith and you trust him, it always touches him, and he knows. And in all that crowd that were milling around him, he could have identified this woman like that. You touched me. Not only does he know uh, when he's been touched, but he knows who's touched him. Do you know that he's intimately involved in our lives? Sometimes you know, we plow along in our lives, and because we're not aware of him, we think he's not aware of us. You know, because we're muddling along in our lives and we're trying to do it and do the business and so on, we think he's not aware. No, listen, he's aware of everything. Tell us you tonight can cry out to him in faith. And just like the little woman, he'll be touched. He'll be touched. He'll notice. And he'll notice it's you. And he cares about you as a person, as an individual. He cares. Oh, listen, you got problems, you got difficulties, you got issues. He knows. And he cares. 
And he waits for you to touch him in faith. He waits for you to reach out to him in faith. See, you can muddle through your life knowing he could help. But sit home. You know what? Jesus would have come and gone. And this woman would still have had her issue of blood. If she'd sat home knowing he could help her. Because she needed to reach out and touch him. She needed to touch Jesus to see the help that he could give in her life. And you know, you need to do that too. I need to do that too. We need to reach out to him. We need to call out to him. We need to bring the problem to him. And we need to bring the problem to him, not just going through your prayer list, you know. And Lord, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. It needs to be touching him in faith. Now, what does faith mean in that context? What, what, does, what does faith actually mean? I mean, we, we talk about things and we need to define them in our heads. Because if we don't define them in our heads, we kind of get lost in the, uh, you know, in the intricacies of, of the word. Faith is basically depending upon him to do for you. Depending upon him. Now you say, well, this little woman, how do we know how much she was depending? It's not about how much you're depending It's not about you. It's not about what you're doing. It's the fact that you're depending upon him. See, understand, there are all kinds of doctrines out there as far as faith is concerned. And there's there's the doctrine that if you believe hard enough, anything is possible for you. But you come short on that one, don't you? You know, when you come short, you think the problem is I didn't believe hard enough. If I'd believed hard enough, it would have happened for me. It's not a case of you believing hard enough. If you look at the people that come to Jesus in the Bible, you know what? They're not believing very hard. They're just coming to him with their needs and their brokenness. Oh, and sometimes they've grown in faith and they're strong in faith. But other times they're not. Other times they're weak in faith, but they cry out to him. And he meets them in their need and he takes care of them like with this woman. Now, the key issue for you is you've got to come. You've got to come to him. You've got to come to him in faith. You've got to come to him and trust him and depend upon him to do it. Don't, don't spend your life trying to live your own life and do your own thing. You've got to come to him with it. And you've got to touch him in faith, expecting him to respond. This poor little woman didn't think he was going to respond. She thought she could get away with it. She thought she'd just touch him and walk away. But she couldn't, because he responds. And he responds personally and individually. You see, there's what, seven, eight billion people in this world today. Who knows how many of them at any given time are calling out to God? Who knows? You know, listen, you know, if you let your mind go on it, it just becomes impossible on that very point alone, but it doesn't matter. You're the one in the crowd. You're the only one. You're the one he's dealing with. You're the one he relates to. He relates to you as though you're the only one on the planet. You're that important to him. This little woman was an outcast of society. She came to Jesus and touched Jesus. And you know what? She was the only person in that crowd. There's something goes on between him and her That's just a one-on-one type thing. She didn't expect that. 
She didn't expect something to go on between him and her that was one-on-one. But that's exactly what happened. And that's what can happen for you too. That's what can happen for you any time in your life when you cry out to him. There can be that one-on-one thing going on between you and him. Now, we can stubbornly go our own way and try and fix our problems ourselves and deal with our problems ourselves like this poor woman did for 12 years. We can spend a fortune. We can look after it uh, the best way we can. We can endure all she endured. But you know what? We need to come to him. Lord, I need you. I need your help. We need to come to him and touch him. And we understand that it's not like he's going to just pass us by. He's aware of every one of us. He's aware of you. He's aware of your needs. Do you know that he's more aware of your needs than you are? Did you ever think you have a need and come to find out that that wasn't really the need at all? The need was something else entirely. He knows that. And when you come to him with your needs and start pouring out your needs to him and talking, about, talking to him about your problems and your difficulties and the issues in your life, you know what? He's able to come and point out what the real need is. But this is what needs to get fixed. I can do it. Do you want me to? That's the way it is. He knows exactly what's going on inside you. He knows you better than you will ever know yourself. But we bustle around and we fight and we fuss and we go and do our own thing. But... Listen, if we'll come to him in humility, he can do it. You see, this woman came in desperation. I mean, she knew she couldn't fix it, didn't she? She knew she couldn't sort the problem out. She knew there was no, she came to him in desperation for him to fix it. And he did. And when you come to him in desperation, listen, he can do great things in your life. You can do wonderful things in your life. When you come to the place where you can't do it and, and you've given up on your own ability to do it, he can do great things in your life. When she came in desperation looking for his touch, should say something else too. <clears throat> you know what? Anybody else in that crowd had known where she was at, they would have gone, oh no, get away from me, you. Well, not Jesus. Didn't bother him. His holiness was far superior to her uncleanness. And you know the truth? The truth is, he knew too, she wasn't going to be unclean for long. He was going to deal with the problem. Just, just, just like the, the woman that came and washed his feet. He knew she wasn't going to be, be like that for long. Her sins were going to be forgiven. This, this little woman was going to be clean. She was going to be sorted. She was going to be, be dealt with. But, but he, he wasn't afraid of that. But she came and she cried out to him and he answered her. Now something else in this passage that's interesting. Jesus says this. He says, Virtue has gone out from me. Now, what does he mean? What's he talking? I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. Power is gone out of me. Do you realize that in his ministry, as he ministered to people, you know, listen, power went out of him. And it wasn't like it didn't affect him. It was real. What he did, power went out of him. And we need to understand that too, that when we minister... When we really give ourselves to him and are used of him, power's going to go out of us. We're going to know it. You know, you, you serve the Lord with all your heart in some endeavor, and you, you'll go home tired. Now, you may be happy, but you're tired. And you're tired in a special kind of way. Let me read you uh, what one writer wrote about this. He said, 
There is no addition of help to others without the subtraction of power from ourselves. Now, if omnipotence can ha- cannot help others without depletion, how can we ever expect to bless the world without self-sacrifice? A man who gives to some Christian object until he feels it, a man who is in occupation or professional or profession overworks that he may educate his children, a man who on a Sunday night goes home, all his nervous energy wrung out by active service in church or Sabbath school or city evangelization, has imitated Christ and the strength has gone out of him. A mother who robs herself of sleep on behalf of a sick child. A wife who bears up cheerfully under domestic misfortune that she may encourage her husband in the combat against disaster. A woman who by hard saving and earnest prayer and good counsel wisely given and many years devoted to rearing her family for God and usefulness in heaven, who has nothing to show for it but premature gray hairs and a profusion of deep wrinkles is like Christ and strength has gone out from her. You know, when we serve the Lord and we give ourselves in spiritual work and in spiritual combat, there is a cost it's real. Listen, God can replenish it and God can f- meet the need in your heart, but understand there is a cost. There is a price on it. Always. There's going to be power that goes out from you. Recognize it. Now, <clears throat> when power goes out from you, you know how you're likely to want to fix it? You're likely to want to fix it with the world. I just need to relax. I need to flick on the box. I need to do something just to relax my mind. You know what you need to do, though? You need to spend time with him and refill from the power source. That's what Jesus did. You find Jesus a great while uh, before the beginning of day, going out and finding somewhere alone that he could spend time with the Father, even on busy days. In the book of Mark, he's on a busy, busy day. And the next time, great while before day, he's out uh, finding time with the Father. When you're serving in ministry, you need to spend time with him. You know, there's a principle that, you know, you can't get out of something what doesn't go into it. And you can't. You've got to replenish the pool. If you're going to take from the pool, you've got to replenish it. You've got to fill it again. You've got to bring back what you've taken out of so that when you're serving in ministry and you're crying out, you've got to spend time with God. And if you're not, what happens is you end up serving in the power of the flesh. And the flesh is death to ministry. The flesh is death to it. It just kills it. You know, nothing spiritual can happen according to your flesh. Why? Because in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. There's nothing good about your flesh. Your flesh can't help. It needs to be that if we want to put it this way, that you've touched the throne and drawn power from it if you're going to actually minister. Otherwise, you're going to end up running dry and you're going to end up doing damage because you can't minister in the flesh. It's impossible. You just can't do it. You know, we, we had in service for the school this, this week and one of the things we talked about was the fact that uh, if the teachers are going to have an impact on the kids, then the teachers have to be walking with God. Pray for them, by the way, because the enemy knows that. You know, they, they, you know, that the impact they have is going to be based upon the fact that they're walking with God or they're not walking with God. You see, a Christian school is not Christian because it meets in a church. And it's not Christian because it uses Christian material. It's Christian because of Christ. And, you know, the reality is, um, <clears throat> while you hope and, and pray that the kids will bring Christ to school, that's not always going to happen. The teachers have to. No ministry is going to have any value unless it's touched of heaven, 
unless there's power. And when there's power going out, there has to be power going in. So <clears throat> if you're involved in ministry, it doesn't matter where it is, Sunday school, uh, <clears throat> you ministry, teaching ministry, uh, you've got to be drawing from the pool. You've got to be coming to him because power goes out of you. And you need power coming back in. And if you don't, what will happen is you end up just doing it in the power of the flesh. And that's a sad thing, uh, a sad thing to see. So he knew that power had gone, gone out of him. Now, <clears throat> look at this, this, this woman. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, verse 47, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all of the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. Listen, he knew she'd been healed. He knew something had happened. And when she knew that she couldn't hide it, she came and she fell down before him and she declared all. And see what he says to her. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. He commands her faith. Now catch that thought again. What is it in you in any situation that God finds pleasing? Is it your good works? Now listen, I hope you do good things if you're a Christian. But it's not your good works that God finds pleasing. Don't we think that? Don't we honestly think that, you know, it's the good things I'm doing that are going to please God? But it's not. That's not what pleases God. If we would trace our good works back through the real channels, we would find that any good works that were really good works came from him anyway. So why is God going to be impressed with what he's done through you? He may reward you for it, but he's not going to be impressed with it. What is it that impresses him? What impresses him is your faith. And again and again we see that in the New Testament. Jesus commands faith. Jesus goes after the disciples over and over for having no faith. In situations where we would imagine that, you know... What's his problem? The boat's going down. Of course they're a bit scared. But he's saying, no, you're supposed to have faith. You're supposed to trust me. And he constantly is commanding us or reprimanding us as far as faith is concerned. Now, as we close tonight, we're going to go to the table in a few minutes. Let me, let me ask you about this thing called faith in your life. This little woman demonstrated faith. She came to him to fix her problem. She couldn't fix it. However, she found out she knew he could fix it. He had power somehow to do it. She may not have understood. She may not have known how, why, or wherefore. But he could fix it. And she came to him for him to fix her problem. And she was willing to take great risks to get close enough to do it. She came to him for him to fix her problem, and he fixed it. And Jesus says... Your faith has made you whole. Now, it's not that she, you know, she believed, you know, to kind of her, 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 the, the, her, the veins on her, on her, on her forehead kind of bulge, and she believed, believed, believed. That's not what happened. She came falteringly. She came, not understanding everything. She came to him, depending upon him. That's what you need to do. So, how are you dealing with the problems in your life? How are you dealing with the difficulties in your life? You know, are you going to hammer and tongs at them in your own strength? I'm going to fix them. You watch. 
I'll sort this thing out. I'll make it happen. I'll fix it. And finding that it's not fixing, that the harder you try sometimes, the worse it gets. Are you just apathetic? Well, I'm discouraged. There's no point. No way of fixing this. And, you know, what can I do? I'm just going to sit home and, you know, be here because there's no way of fixing it. Are you coming to him in faith? Coming to him in simple dependence. Lord, I need you. I can't do it. I need your help. I need you to fix this. I need you to take over. Lord, I don't just want you to. I need you to. Are you coming to him in faith? You, you may not have great feelings as you come to him in faith. You, know, you may not feel wonderful. Oh, listen, I'm going to make it happen. It's going to happen here and now. That, but when you come to him in faith and you hold out your hands and you say, Lord, I can't do it. Dad, would you step in? Would you work in the situation? Would you do whatever needs to be done? And sometimes God needs to do a work in you. That's the purpose of the situation. But you cry and you say, Lord, would you, would you do whatever needs to be done? You know what? That's faith. That's you depending upon him. That's you letting him have his way in your life. And when you let him have his way in your life, I guarantee you, he's going to do something. And it's going to be good, though it may not be what you want and what you expect. It's going to be something good. Because he's always doing a good thing. He's never doing a bad thing. Let's do this tonight as we close. Let's just pause for a few moments, because I'm sure there are many in this room that need to touch the Lord Jesus. There are many in this room that need to reach out and touch him. Some of you got a problem that's just wearing you down, that's tearing you apart. Come and touch him with it. You say, but I've touched him with it before. Listen, come and just in simple faith, touch him with it. Her problem was fixed immediately. Yours may not be. Obviously, there's a whole situation going on here that Jesus is dealing with. But I guarantee you, if you touch him, he will know you've touched him. And he will respond. Because he always does. But touch him. Maybe your need is just to be with him. Touch him. Just take a few minutes quietly as you sit there where you are. You just call out to him and touch him. And you know what? As we do that, we can expect him to move in our lives. We can expect to see him do things in us, for us, and through us. Let's bow our heads. Father, Lord, as your people gather before you with their needs and their burdens and their problems and their difficulties, or just like this little woman that came and touched the hem of your garment, Lord, may each one touch you with their need and with their burden. And, oh, Lord, I plead, Lord, that you would meet the real needs, not just the needs we think we have, but the real needs in hearts and lives. May there be a yielding and a letting you have your way. And, Lord, may there be your touch back in this room now, we pray. In Jesus' name.